Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Boxing Hall of Fame commentator, the great Teddy Atlas. Special episode today, we're going to do a fight companion looking back at the Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker fight from UFC 257. Poirier is obviously in the main event uh, coming up against Conor McGregor. And Dan Hooker is in a, in tough against Michael Chandler, three-time Bellator champion, former Missouri wrestler, All-American wrestler at that. Should be a hell of a fight. Um, like I said, Dan Hooker in tough here. But, you know, Chandler's also got his work cut out for him with Hooker, the former um, kick, kickboxing uh, champion. This should be an entertaining fight. But we're going to take a look back at the Poirier-Hooker fight and... Um, get the full breakdown from Teddy given that it was such a good stand-up battle before we get into things Teddy how you doing I'm doing good Ken I'm glad to see you glad to see you far well you're so sophisticated you're so advanced where you're able to just push a button onto your desk and you put up pictures now I mean I'm just <laughs> glad I was here for this part of the ride to watch the rise it's, it's tremendous. I don't even want to ask you what other buttons you have under there because I'm, I'm almost <laughs> afraid um, of what could happen. The lights could change. The walls could open. I, I don't know. It's all uh, it's all Rob. He's the technical wizard behind the scenes. It's impressive. It's, it's impressive. It really is. And all kidding aside, you, you touched on earlier that these guys the fights they have coming up, you know, uh, obviously with McGregor, Poirier, unbelievable fight. Uh, and then with the fight Hooker has coming up as the co-main event on that card and how tough these fights are. That's that's just synonymous with their business. It's nothing new. They're in nothing but tough fights. What if these guys... That, what that's these, a very good point. What if these guys ever been given a layup really i mean you get layups so much in in boxing that after a while you know you you, you don't you just say gee you know can you take a jump shot once in a while you know uh just just a jump shot from the foul line you know um of course we get our great fights don't get me wrong but you get so many of those you know setup type fights that after a while, it's like, I understand at the beginning. I understand it. But now, what are they gaining? I know their record gets fatter, but what are they gaining? And see, that's the secret to the UFC, the secret formula. That why you see guys with six losses, five losses, eight losses, ten losses, and they pull off an upset with a top guy. It happens a lot. Why? Because they get fights they need to get better without worrying about what harm it may do to their PR system or to their record. That they're just going to get better. Like the old days in the golden era of boxing, back in the 20s to 30s to 40s, those fighters, all that they cared about was getting the kind of fight that could make them a better fighter. And if, if they lost, hey, that was part of what they were going to need 
on the trail to stardom, on the trail to being a champion, on the trail to being the greatest fighter they could be. That was going to be part of it. And that part gets completely removed from the equation in boxing sometimes. Sometimes it does. Where fighters could use a tough fight on the way up. They could. I'll I'll throw one at you. Jerry Cooney. Now, a lot of people are going to say, where'd that come from? But Jerry Cooney, on his way up, if he would have been thrown a tough fight every just a little bit. I mean, I know you want to stay undefeated. Eventually, it made financial sense. He got to the Larry Holmes fight for $10 million. In those days, that was, you know, unbelievable numbers. Unbelievable numbers. Hey, look, it's great numbers today, too. But it was unheard of almost in those days and you don't want to threaten the financial windfall I I get it but there's a way to protect both protect the big fight that you're moving towards and protect the development of your fighter so he's ready for that big fight by instead of giving him fights that it's 90% that he's going to win and 10% chance that he's going to lose, give him a fight that's a 60-40. 60% chance he's going to win 40%. You know, sometimes even take dare to go to 55-45. But just the kind of fights that will allow him to develop in the areas he needs to develop so when he gets to that place, it's not one and done. And for Cooney, he was better than he will be remembered in the history of the sport. But he never got the chance to really become what he could have become. So when he lost to Holmes, and he fought a competitive fight with Holmes, he wasn't ready for him in a real sense because he didn't have that experience of knowing if he could handle it. But if he had, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he still loses. But what would have been better was he could have came back off of that. He could have came back off of that loss, which he never rebounded off of that loss. If he had just just more, kind of like a good house, have more foundation under you. Just just have some cinder blocks under you, you know, instead of just wood. And that's one thing. These guys all have cinder blocks under them. They all have bricks under them. They go and they have eight losses, nine losses, but those losses forged them to be ready for anything and that's why they can get put in with top guys and if they don't win which they do sometimes they fight competitive and they don't get destroyed anyway i i just wanted to touch on that um amplify on that a little bit that's one of the reasons why i respect the ufc sport and fighters uh very much even though i'm a boxing guy is because They understand that part of it. They understand that the most important thing, yeah, it's important to get to a money fight. We want to make money. It's such a dangerous sport. Yes, yes, yes. And and they can't make enough money as far as I'm concerned for the risk they take. And the same thing with the fighters, with the boxers. But it's also important to be prepared emotionally, physically, technically for when you get that shot that you will be able to, to comport yourself in a way, in a competitive way, that you won't be gone from the scene after that one shot. Anyway, I look forward to looking at this and doing this uh, fight companion, and especially with 
what's on the horizon uh, for both these fighters. Take a look at what they did in that great fight and then uh, break it down a little bit for the fans. Cool. Before we get into it, I just want to give a quick shout out to Dustin Poirier and his Louisiana style hot sauce. He sent some for both of us, Teddy. I'll give it to you next time I see you. Thank you, Dustin. Guys, check it out. Dustin Poirier's Louisiana style hot sauce. Good stuff. No wonder you've been eating a lot of chicken lately. Uh, you're, you're, pouring, <laughs> you're pouring that stuff on it. All right. <laughs> Plant-based chicken. All right, Teddy, before we jump into the fight companion, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Manscaped. Not only the official electric trimmer of the UFC and the presenting sponsor for this podcast, but they also sponsor multiple UFC stars, including Max Holloway and friend of the show, Francis Ngannou. Um, I love this thing, Teddy. I travel with it. It's rechargeable. It's lightweight. Can't say enough good things. They've got a special offer for our listeners, the Performance Package. The ultimate men's hygiene bundling, which includes the the new edition of the Weed Whacker Air and Nose Hair Clippers. These things are waterproof. They have a 9,000 RPM motorized 360 dual blade. It also includes their Premier Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down below. You'll also get the Crop Preserver, deodorant for below the belt. It's anti-chafing and moisturizing. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxers. I actually love these things. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, or go to manscaped.com Atlas. Once again, 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com Atlas. All right, Sam, you ready to get cracking? In three, two, one, play. All right, Kenny boy. There they are. You see the height advantage right away from that hook has. And height and reach, I believe he had. Uh, usually those two things go hand in hand together, but not always. You can't take it for granted. But I believe Hooker was longer with his reach as well as taller uh, with his height. So the first thing in my mind, I'm thinking, first thing, Ken, I've never seen this before, obviously. I'm thinking, does Hooker know how to fight tall? <laughs> because it's something that you have to know how to do it. Does he know how to fight tall? Does he know how to own the outside? Stay out there, be disciplined, and make the shorter guy, Poirier, you know, pay a price to get close. Does he know how to do that? Is he disciplined enough? Taught enough? This was an important fight for both guys as the winner was going to get, um, eventually the winner did get uh, Khabib. No? Oh, sorry. This was Poirier's comeback fight after the Khabib loss. Apologies. Oh, okay. That's what it was. So, so he's dealing with the shadows, you know, in the mind. You know, the, the, the bats in the belfry, that he's got to shake those things. It's more than just a guy in front of him. Hey, you got to give a guy like Poirier, again, it's the sport. But Poirier taking a tough fight. He's coming back off a loss, right, where he gets a tough loss like that. And what does he do? <laughs> does he take a tune-up? No! He goes in there with an animal. I mean, again, how can you not love the sport and these guys? Because that's their mentality. 
you know, no no breaks, no easy ones. Again, I, I do see Hooker knowing how to fight tall, uh, using that reach, trying to, you know, keep Poirier at a place where he can control him and Poirier can't get to him unless he takes a risk to get to him. You know, it's funny. I, I'm I'm noticing these leg kicks. Um, and you wouldn't think that you'd see that many leg kicks. I, In my mind, and, and part of it is my lack of, you know, full knowledge of the UFC sport, but just knowing combat sport and fighting, the minds, the technique that's necessary, the mindsets, everything else. But you would think you'd see leg kicking if the guy was a mover to take his legs away. But I see leg kicking here again, again, even though he's not a guy that uses the ring, Poirier, but yet Hooker still is set to go to his legs, take his legs away. And I'm thinking, I know why. It's not just for the guys that are going to use their bicycle around the ring that you have to slow down. He doesn't want the guy to come forward and have his legs to come forward to be set because Poirier is known as a puncher. So he's thinking, okay, if I can get to his foundation, if I can get to his legs, I'll take that away from him. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. Coming into this fight, coming into this fight, Hooker was on a three-fight winning streak. He beat James Vick, Ally Quinta, and, and Paul Felder. So this was a big, um, big momentum fight for Hooker, and uh, he might have been a slight favorite on the um, with the bookies as well. And of course, we see that you know it's a southpaw with an orthodox Hooker's, the orthodox and Poirier, uh, our buddy is a southpaw. What I noticed early was, again. Everyone sees the obvious, the toughness, the brutality of the sport. You know, small gloves, right? Guys guys having to deal with kicks. There's a counterpunch from Poirier. And there's a nice right hand. But I'm seeing the intellect. I'm seeing early on I saw Hooker. And there's a little elbow on the inside. I saw Hooker going to the body with a right hand and then setting up a left hook up top. So I see the thinking always, not just the physicality, not just uh, <laughs> the elbows and you know the brutal stuff, but the thinking behind all of this. And Hooker has a three-inch a three inch height advantage, six foot against five nine, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, I figured. And a big be. reach advantage, seventy-five to seventy-two. Looks like Poirier's trying to, for a second there, trying to lure him in to give up that height. He he's trying to figure out how he's going to deal with that height still, you know. And there's a lot of ways. There's a couple ways to deal with the height. One is the traditional, conventional way that people think is the only way. Sometimes is to walk forward, move your head, you know, and and go close the gap. But Poirier's trying to give a little ground. That, and use the way where you can lure the guy into coming to you and then counterpunch. Hey, you know what that? He switched to orthodox Poirier. That was pretty smart for a second. There he goes again, back to Southpaw. You know what he did just before the end of that round? What's that? He switched to, now you're seeing some of the replays, and there it was, the right hand. The right hand, he switched to the orthodox position, to make that straight right hand available, 
that wasn't available as a southpaw because as a southpaw, the only thing available with the right hand now for Poirier, and just watch as I talk, is the jab or the, the right hook. But it's hard to time the guy with the right hook if he's jabbing, he's taller, and he's jabbing from the right distance. Look, he's reaching for him. You can't get that punch in. But if you turn to orthodox, you can time that jab with the right hand. And that's what Poirier did. Now he's, you know, he's taking a lot of shots here in this round. This round, fast start, hot start uh, for Hooker. And again, Poirier's not only dealing with a, a tough opponent, you know, with the physicality edges he has with height and with length and what they all have, which is toughness and everything else, and they know how to grapple, they know how to throw kicks, they know how to throw punches, but he's dealing with the loss in his mind. He's, uh, he's, it's going to take a round to get rid of that, and I think you're seeing that, that, that he's getting rid of that, and he's being forced to get rid of it. Yeah, some good combination there by Poirier a minute ago. See how he timed him? Poirier timed him. Yep. Now, the upper hand for a second there was Hooker, but Poirier timed him in the middle of one of those shots. He knew, he kind of knew that, okay, he's close enough to be throwing his shots. Now he's not using his height. He's throwing round shots. I have him in that area where I can catch him now. Well, there's a lot, a lot goes on in these fights, Ken. A lot more than I said yeah. before, than grit and knees and elbows and hellacious stuff. A lot of other stuff goes on, and it's going on right now. And again, I was saying it cards. earlier that there's different ways to deal with a tall guy. And Poirier, you know, you could go get him, or you could step back, bring him in, and time him, counter him. But Poirier's looking to time him right now. Teddy, worth noting, Ariel Hawani had this round as uh, this round two as his rounds of the year. It's a hell of a round. UFC. I mean, it started off bad for Poirier and came back, and it's 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 ebbs and flows. It's back and forth. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I want to make a point a again. Early on, you saw Poirier switch orthodox, time a right hand over the jab. Why did he do that? He did it again. Because if he stayed southpaw, the right hook wouldn't have reached. But the straight right hand is longer punch. So he switched, and there's some good shots. And I'll tell you another reason why Poirier was looking to switch to orthodox and throw the right hands over the jab. That's a good way of taking the guy's jab away, Ken. And he needed to take the taller, longer hooker's jab away. So you've seen a lot of thinking as well as uh, banging. And both guys are bleeding pretty good now. Yeah, he missed a, He missed an opportunity there, Poirier. If Customato was alive, he'd yell at him. You know what he would have yelled? You stepped out, you did the hard part, you made him reach, you made Poirier reach, but you didn't do the fun part. You didn't counter. He's going straight back. You're the taller man. Now he's not fighting like the taller man. He went straight back, and Poirier made him pay for that. Followed him, stepped with him, and caught him. You know how often one constant theme. One constant theme in these fights is that they're always these guys have such toughness. Oh yeah, 
And again, it, it as tough as they are, it still comes down to smarts and technique. Who who figures out something to give them a little edge to go along with the toughness, to break just yep. the toughness mode, to you know, and they're both looking for it. And then, and again, the technique. What happens? Poirier goes straight back. He gets caught. You break the rules, you pay. Whether it's in boxing or obviously MMA, UFC. Now this is where, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but from what I understand their backgrounds, you would think Poirier have a little edge in the inside stuff with the grappling and you know that because of his background. Oh, yeah. now, now you see these punches? Now look, he's taking a lot of shots here. Oh my God. He, he's, he's almost out. I mean, it's incredible yep. that he's going to recover from this. I mean, look at these shots. Now I want to make a point here. Watch how they're, they're around. There's a bend in the elbow. See the bend in the elbow? There's a bend. That means he's close enough to get time. That's all Poirier needed to do to know. He said, oh, they're round punches. There's a bend in the elbow. If I shoot my shots, I'll catch him because that means he must be at a certain distance where I can catch him. And now, of course, it's all hooker. All hooker. Boy, he finished that Down. round. He finished that round. Hooker's up. Hooker's up two rounds to none here. Third round starting right now. Yep. Not only two to one, but the punishment that Poirier took at the end of that round. To overcome that. And that's why he's moving a little bit. He's trying to give himself yeah. that one that one minute rest. He's telling you right now. Fighters don't lie. They might not say it verbally, but their actions tell you all you need to know. He's telling you, I didn't get enough that minute rest. So he moved around a little bit. Get himself another 30 seconds. Right? That's what he's doing, Ken. You can see it. You know, that after taking yep. those shots, the end of that second, he needed a little more than that minute rest. Looks like it took something out of Hooker, too, because you'd think that Hooker would be trying to jump on him here as hurt as Poirier it's was a at good the point. end of the second. That's a damn good point. Fun watching these things, you know, Ken? I mean, these guys... Yeah. Are, I mean, to look at the inside stuff, the intricacies to go, you know, again, a tall guy shouldn't get caught that easy he just got caught by Poirier because he doesn't he now he's not fighting tall he's allowing the shorter guy to come into the range to catch him and you know what I say about tall guys they have the advantage when they know how to be tall when they keep the shorter guy at a disadvantage on the outside but once they allow that shorter guy like now once they allow that shorter guy to get close they're like a skyscraper there's a lot of windows to break and yep. Poirier's breaking those windows. Yep. You kind of feel the tide shifting right now. Poirier just looks a little fresher, a little quicker. What was, what, oh, he Hooker dropped his mouthpiece. Wow. That's, that's being a gentleman there. As much of uh, animals that these guys have to be at times, you know, Look at look at how 
gentlemanly Poirier, both of them, but Poirier was to allow him to get his mouthpiece. And the there right goes way. Poirier jumping his uh, guillotine, yeah. which he's famous for. Now, and it's tight. Yeah, it's amazing that he's, it's a, he's surviving this. I mean, I would think that's he's, really tight. He's close to, he lost it there, but he was close to ending it. Yeah, he had him with arm in, so he didn't have the the arms perfect the way he needed him. But Poirier is so good at that move. But like I was talking to him about this in training, you think you can get that because in training, most likely the guy's gonna tap. In a fight, they'll rather go to sleep. So it's very hard to like submit someone with that arm in guillotine. Well, this, tell me if I'm wrong, Ken. But from this end of it, this dimension of it, but this is impressive for Hooker to be having an edge here with a guy who has the edge, Poirier being that guy, on the floor. Am I correct? Yeah, well, the, the, the challenge I mean, Poirier, is that Poirier... I mean, Poirier has the edge as far as wrestling, grappling, jiu-jitsu. Uh, he has the edge there. You, you might say yes. that Hooker's got the edge in the striking because he was a kickboxer, but it's pretty impressive what Hooker's doing here with a guy that's got the edge there. Yeah, he's just trying to maintain that position. And like I said, Poirier kind of put himself in this by jumping the guillotine there. And now Hooker is just doing a good job of maintaining uh, uh, control. But you can see that Dustin keeps pushing his legs up and trying to get him in a triangle. So he's very active on his back. But yeah, credit to Hooker for being able to maintain this um, this position. But he's got to do some damage here uh, to take advantage of this. You see, uh, yeah, but that's legs to the, keep coming up. That's to the point, you, and you just jumped it. That's to the point of now the opposite, of Poirier getting credit. He's not letting him quite maximize that advantage because he uses his legs very well. Yep. Look at that little uppercut on the inside. Oh, oh, look at those shots. Wow. Warriors. Wow. Touching him up now. And he needs to. He needs this round. He's looking to do to return the favor of what Hooker did to him the last round. To finish yep. strong. Finish very strong. And he is. He's finishing strong with some clean shots. Wow. Exciting well, rounds. It's a hell of a fight. <laughs> Hooker's face is a mess. Wow. Seeing some of the replays of the big shots here. You mean you mean to tell me he wasn't born with that nose? <laughs> here you can see some of the work of Dustin on the uh from the from the bottom. Yeah, look at that. Little short uh, we talk about short hooks, that was a short elbow. Oh, look at that yep. combination. See, that's where these guys could help themselves with a little more boxing technique and acumen. Where yeah. just a simple thing like that, I would tell them, get your head on the side. Don't leave your head in the middle. You know, get your get yeah. your get your head into a defensive chamber instead of, you know, laying in the only in an offensive chamber. Hey, this is interesting, Ken. You got the shorter guy now, Poirier, out jamping the taller guy. Yep. 
He's walking See? him down, yeah, controlling because he's timing him. He's he's getting to the right distance and he's timing him. Watch, he's going to time him with this jab. I mean, I I didn't see this before, but there it is. He's just timing him with the jab at the right time. He's walking. He's making sure his body, his legs are there. He's not reaching. He's walking, making sure he's and there he is. He's timing him with the jab. And again, I said, I touched on it earlier. It's an advantage to be tall if you know how to be tall. But then once the shorter guy gets close, the advantage switches to the shorter guy, Ken, because now he's, yeah. got, a, he's got a tall target. He's got more target. There it is. Timing that jab beautifully. And I know Dustin prides himself on his boxing skills. And it's all about, yeah, he does. It's all about timing. I know they're on the floor, but it's all about timing. Because Hooker should have been getting his jab off a little sooner. And instead, Poirier walked himself into position and he timed the jab and landed it. Now he's. Hooker caught that kick and tried to go for a takedown here. I think Hooker's starting to look really tired and looking to take it to the ground because he's getting punched, beat up pretty good on the feet, I think. Well, what you said has nothing but legitimacy written all over it because. We said it earlier. Hooker's got the edge, right? He's supposed to have the edge standing because of his kickboxing background. So to go to the other guy's territory, to go into, you know, his wheelhouse on the floor, there's got to be a, you know, there's got to be a reason behind it. Yeah, I think he realizes Dustin is a lot better on the feet than he probably expected. Now Dustin returns the favor with a takedown of his own. It's amazing how much technique goes into this. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just a matter of being in shape and, you know, being strong and, you know, being willing. But right now, there's nothing but technique on. Where where am I putting my legs? Where am I putting my hands? Uh, uh, do I make sure that my back is against the fence? Everything, all those little things. Because one wrong move in here and presto. The guy's and now Dustin's got a full the guy's mount. Got you. Yep, yep. Oh, unbelievable! He's starting to really put it on him now. Yeah, unbelievable. He's gonna have a hard time hearing out of that ear after this fight. I guess there's <clears throat> there's no such thing as rabbit punches, huh? And uh... <laughs> you're not supposed to hit the back of the head, but you can hit the side of the head and the ears. All right. Well, I think the. <clears throat> Their aim is just a little off, to be quite, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but hey, nobody complains. Nobody complains. They both do it once in a while. Nobody complains. It's part of the code of conduct. You don't complain. Yep. Look at this. He almost Dustin's has to scissor Going lock. for the arm by oh, him. Oh. Oh, he's got it bad. Oh. You talk about the will of somebody that is determined not to submit. You should put a... You see how he's twisting his arm behind his back here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Again, you talk about the will of somebody, I mean, gee, where where people would normally submit, not these guys. Look at this. When they get in these positions, it reminds me of like a schoolyard fight where everyone refuses to break it up and the two guys are literally just trying to kill each other. Yeah, but again, I'm going to go back to it. I know that's my, my, my wheelhouse, but there's technique involved. 
through all of oh, this yeah. chaos, through all this violence, if you want to just be simple about it, that it's about maintaining your composure mentally and knowing what to do technically and being willing and to Dustin do it. Look, here's an example of it. <clears throat> yep, he went for another guillotine, missed again. <laughs> wow. Look at this. The ch- the problem with jumping that is when you when the guy does get out, you're in now in a bad position, and the guy on top is using the ground and pound, which Hooker's doing nicely here, better than he has earlier in the fight. And that's the end of four. Unbelievable. Wow. Very close fight. Yeah, you're not kidding. There's that jab. There's a jab. See, timing. He caught him with that jab right down the middle just as Hooker was about to punch. But the split-second timing allowed him to score. Oh, there's that arm. My God, oh, look at whoa. Hooker's arm bent backwards, like hyper-extended. You think, he, you think Ken, that, <laughs> that maybe, maybe he was... Uh, he was thinking about how he could alleviate this pain by just giving in, you know, like just, you know, <laughs> just maybe that that for a split second. And then he just threw that thought out. He said, get the F out of here. <laughs> then he probably thought about how he could survive for the next six months without an arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is the difference. This is the difference. You think, I mean, it's a good life lesson. Really, it is. Like how many- there was a heavyweight fight back in the day with a guy named Tim Sylvia where a guy had him in a lock like that and broke his arm, and Sylvia refused to fight. The ref waved it off, and, and Sylvia was incensed. Like, why'd you stop it? They played the replay for him a few times, and you could see his arm snapping twice, breaking the bone, and he still refused to accept it. He was like, that's my job to, qu- my job to tap. So here, here I'm going to jump in for the life lesson real quick off of that, and you did a great job of setting it up. How often in life do we do we accept things too quickly? I'm not yep. saying we have to go to this extreme. I know. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. I get it. I get it. But how often in life is our tolerance for difficult things too low, uh, where it doesn't have to be that low? How often? Yep. How often do Very. we accept? You know, submission of one kind or the other. You know, it doesn't have to be submission to an arm lock. How often do we accept some kind of level of submission when we really don't have to? When we could have fought through it? And how long was it going to last? 30 seconds? But we never got to that place. These guys are something. They're both tired, but it looks like Poirier's got a little more in the tank. Um, And I think that's going to win the fight for him. I mean, it does come down sometimes to a war of attrition or battle of attrition. um, But it's mental attrition, too. Yeah, for sure. You see the way he's, he's fatigued? Hooker, he's falling in there. And what is he doing? Yep. Who's got the edge here? The guy coming in or the guy staying back? The guy staying back. 
Not necessarily the guy being aggressive that we take for granted because the guy staying back, Poirier, had his feet set and he was able to catch him as he came in. He was able to time him on the way in with his feet set where the other guy was groping. The other guy was reaching. And Poirier read that. He read that body language and he stood there. He didn't go at him and he let him, he let Hooker do some of his work for him. Walk into shots that he could time him as he walked in. Yeah. And you get the sense here that Hooker definitely wants to fight on the ground because he's so tired. Dustin's getting the better of him on the feet now. Well, there was a little subtle move on the inside. Dustin let go and then let the punches. I wonder if he's going to do it again. He's going to suddenly let go and then let the punches go. He does that well. You know, he'll have you in that grip. And then you kind of let up a little, thinking, okay, we're, we're going to have a little break here. And then as you let up out of that grip, he'll toss a couple short shots at you. This round is Poirier because, I mean, not just because of what we're, we're witnessing, you know, obviously as far as strategically and what he's doing, but... He just looks a little more in control of himself, doesn't he, than, than Hooker? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it looks to me like Hooker's trying to buy time and Dustin's trying to stay busy. I see, that was a smart uppercut. Hooker's leaning forward. Dustin threw an uppercut in there. See how he's the taller guy, the Hooker's grappling? Look, oh, he timed him on the way in. He didn't let him just get a free oh, ride. he's got him now. Yeah, he... And now he's looking for that, that, that choke. I don't know that Hooker has thrown a punch in the last two or three minutes. Now what's keeping him? The, yes. I guess Hooker's keeping his chin low enough where he can't quite get that arm underneath the, underneath yeah, the chin. And he's got his back to the cage, so Dustin really can't get leverage on it. Yeah, see? Now he's got his arm under. No, no not quite. But by just staying down there, he gave up the round. Wow. Wow. He he earned it. He earned it. That was a hell of he a fight. He earned it. He earned it. That round won it. Yeah. I mean And we're gonna get to see both guys in action uh on the twenty third. Wow. Wow. I forgot how good that fight was. Well, there's lessons to be learned at all times. One of the lessons for Dustin, just off for of watching this one time. To learn going into the rematch with uh, with McGregor is don't do the things that Hooker did that became available for you to take advantage of, like reaching in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when Hooker reached in, that was able to happen, you know, where Poirier was able to time him. And that's something that. McGregor does so well as he gets you to reach in. And, you know, it's funny. Everyone will look at McGregor as a go-get-you-guy because of the results at the end of the day where he scores knockouts in striking. But he's a counterpuncher. And yeah. right here, look at... Boy, that was, that was unbelievable that he was able to take those shots. I mean, just the chin on these guys. I mean, Ken, these aren't... 10-ounce gloves that are on these guys' hands. <laughs> these, these are four-ounce. 
I wonder. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if they even four outs. And see, the the selection of the punches is so important. He was in close. What's he do? He selects a, an uppercut because he was leaning forward. Yeah. Let's see. See, there, there's the shorter guy out jabbing the taller guy. And there's the left hand. Because the taller guy is allowing him into his area. Into an area he, a taller guy theoretically shouldn't let you into. Yep. Yeah. He knew, he knew he, I mean, you see it right here. You you could usually see who knows. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's what he was saying there with five. I think was the fifth round was the winner for me. I, yep. I think that's, I mean, I don't know for sure. But that's, to me, that's what he would have meant. It's five. In other words, it wasn't a four-round fight. It was a five-round fight, and I took the fifth round. Yep. Great fight. Applauds to both. First of all, respect, kudos, just admiration to both guys. To both guys. Yeah. Tremendous. Looking forward to seeing both guys in action. That was a lot of fun, Teddy. Thanks for doing this. And... um Thanks for being with us, guys. If you want to see some more uh, fight breakdowns, please send us some messages, share the links, let us know who else you want to see us break down or who you want to see Teddy to break down. Um, thanks, Teddy. Uh, my pleasure, and I'll finish with this. Guys, if you want a certain picture up there, just let Ken know and he, he'll get it up. All right, guys, thanks for being with us.